Hey there, amigos. Welcome to the PPC Burrito, the podcast of choice for marketers hungry for knowledge of all things pay-per-click. Hi there. I'm Michael Kenny. I'm Becky Hopkin. And I'm Johnny Hyams. And we represent Digital Gearbox, a PPC specialist agency dedicated to helping businesses around the world grow using Google, Facebook, Instagram, and Bing. Bing! Bing's still a thing, isn't it? Let's all agree that Bing's still a thing. I love Bing. We all agree. Yeah. Johnny, do you agree? Um, I don't, I don't ever use it, but, but it's there. <laughs> But you, you you do some awesome ad campaigns on Bing and you have the proof that there are lots of people using it. Oh, there are. And, and you know, those ad campaigns work really, really well. But I, I use Google myself for everything. Yeah, I think most people, if we're being honest, most people would out of choice just use Google. But, you know, Bing is one of those things that, you know, I, I've noticed it recently because I, I recently got a VPN. We're not sponsored by any VPN yet. Um, but um, when I installed this VPN, as soon as you switch country or switch territory, the uh, the uh, search engine switches over to Bing. I'm not sure if that's due to um, maybe a change in Google's terms and conditions. I'll have to look into that. But it's, that's quite an interesting thing. And when it switches over, I don't go, oh, no, no, I'm going to go to Google. I just go, I'll just use Bing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a stat this week. I wish I had it to hand, but it is on the up again, the Bing usage. It might be because because Microsoft are just being more aggressive at forcing it upon people. Maybe. I mean... I always laugh when I see people moan about Bing on like Facebook, and it's like no one uses Bing. People, people use Bing. We need to we need to kind of explain that we need to address the elephant in the room because there's three people on the podcast today. Are you calling Johnny an elephant? I'm not. I'm I'm calling myself an elephant. I mean, <laughs> you know, no sizeism here. No sizeism here. But no, we, we we're welcomed by uh, well, we're welcoming Johnny today to the podcast. Hello, Johnny. Hello. It's good to be here. We've we've wanted you on for a while now. It's um, we've been kind of pestering you, but you're so busy managing all our client campaigns that scheduling this has been been a challenge. So uh, I'm really pleased that we finally managed to find a slot that works for you. Yeah, well, I've only got about ten minutes, so let's make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we really do only have about ten minutes. Um, but the reason what we want to do on this podcast is we're going to pretty much cut straight to the chase. There's been uh, a lot of activity in the PPC sphere uh, over the last month or so. Um, a lot of interesting and key changes to the way we work, a lot of technological advancements uh, and a lot of significant alterations that might change the way we work forever. And we're going to dive into three of those big changes. Um, I think the best place to start is um, probably the the place that gives everybody the the chill sweats, and that's iOS fourteen and uh, and the recent changes uh, to that operating system and how that affects uh, our campaign. So, Johnny, what is iOS fourteen all about, and why are people getting so nervous about it? So what's happening is Apple wants to give its users uh, more control over how the data is being used. So starting this spring, so relatively soon, uh, when people start loading up uh, their apps, Facebook and, and others, there'll be a little prompt there asking them for permission for that app to track their behavior. It's expected that some large number of people, we don't know how many yet, but some number of people will 
opt out of tracking. Now, that will cause an issue for Facebook and their, and their ads model because it means, A, it, it's harder to judge what people are interested in when you're not tracking their behavior. So it's hard to target people in the first place. But then, B, in addition to that, it's hard to tell if they actually uh, convert because we're not tracking because Facebook then isn't tracking what people are doing on your website. So that causes two really big issues for, for Facebook. It's um, it's an interesting one. I actually caught up with Facebook yesterday and I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it yet, Johnny. But um, they they did say they're working on, not workarounds, but um, solutions, we'll call it, solutions that will somehow um, not completely get rid of the issue, but... They're looking at things like APIs direct into website backends. I mean, I don't, I don't know quite how it's all going to work, but it looks like Facebook are trying to fight back a bit here. Oh, oh yes, the, the Zuck is not taking his line down. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's doing a few things there. So yeah, the APIs is one of the things they're looking at. Yeah. Uh, something else they're doing, they're going to be looking at statistical modeling, where they will look at, at user signals to figure out which people may have converted. It won't be quite as accurate as what we have now. But with machine learning, it should still be pretty accurate. And then something else Facebook are doing as well is they're testing having their own prompt appear before Apple's one does. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to try and find some really positive way to phrase, you know, or, or opt in so you get a better user experience, that, that, that sort of messaging. And the idea being that if you then say, oh, okay, then, to Facebook message, when Apple's one appears afterwards, you, you just go, oh, yeah, whatever, in. Um, so Facebook are currently testing that. You may even find it appears on your phone now before uh, before Apple Apple's one starts rolling out. And they're doing that because they're testing all these different combination of uh, different phrases and images to figure out what will make people most likely agree to opt into tracking. I always opt in because I, I know that it will mean better ads for me <laughs> at the end of the day. I want to see stuff that I might actually be interested in rather than like the wish ads where I'm like, why are you trying to sell me? I don't even want to say some of the things I've seen them try to sell me. Um, but I'd rather have, I'd rather have that experience personally. I mean, I know everyone's scared of their data and Facebook selling it to people and that's all going to hell. I don't, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how Facebook do frame that and if they can successfully encourage people to have the confidence just to to be okay with that tracking. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I remember a couple of years ago when we were at Brighton SEO and we attended a, a talk with regards to, you know, the the kind of implications of, of G- it was GDPR at the time and, yeah. and people, you know, caring about how their data is used and, and how they're tracked and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think the consensus in the room was that the majority of users don't really care that much. Uh, there is a, there is a very small but very vocal minority of people that do care about the machine chasing them around the internet and trying to sell them socks and stuff. But for the most part, most people just aren't really that bothered. I do feel like some documentaries have, have raised more awareness to just how deep some of these organizations and companies go in in kind of acquiring our data and holding on to that. 
Um, you know, I, I guess maybe there there might be a change. I mean, that was that was a couple of years ago that we were there having that chat. So it's it's entirely feasible that 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 mentality has changed now. But I'm speaking for myself personally now in 2021. I just couldn't give a shit. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't care less. I I'll, I'll opt in. I mean, if it really bothers me, if it, if the ads really bother me, then I'll just use an ad blocker or something like that. But you know, I just don't do that because I'm I'm in this industry. I want to see what people are using to advertise. And you know, since since the since day zero, we've we've been living with advertisements prominently featured in our lives. Whenever we switch on the TV, maybe not now because of the the age of streaming. But we grew up with adverts. We grew up with ads in the paper, ads in magazines, ads on buses. You know, ads are just part of our life. Um, so it's it's never really bothered me. And I, I you know, when, whenever I see, uh, you know, kind of Karen moaning about uh, seeing a, a Specsavers ad to chase her around the internet because she, she's expressed an interest in glasses. I, I think what doesn't help is that there are lots of conspiracy theories out there that your phone is listening to you all the time and that you'll be targeted based on the conversations you're ha- having with people. I'm, I've seen news articles in, in, you know, major newspapers saying, oh, I was talking about, you know, bulletproof jests in a private conversation and then wish advertised one to me. Very often that's either just a coincidence or the algorithms have picked up that you're the sort of person to be interested in the sort of thing you were talking about. But your phone isn't listening to you. Um if if it was, we'd be using that data ourselves as marketeers. <laughs> we'd be looking for that. But uh, yeah, there's no option to say this person has spoken to their their loved one in their in the confinements of their house <laughs> that we've found anyway. Heading back to the iOS 14, what can we do to uh, to kind of just well adapt to this new change? Well, there's a few things you need to do. I think the first thing people need to be aware of as, as well is that even before this all kicks in, Facebook has changed the attribution window, and this has confused a lot of people online. So before, the default attribution window was a 28-day click or one-day view, which means that Facebook took credit for the conversion action 28 days after clicking on an ad or one day after viewing it. Now, this has changed down to... Uh, the, the new default is either seven-day click, one-day view, or just seven-day click. Facebook, in an article I read, said it was seven-day click, but I've seen a lot of ours change to seven-day click, one-day view. But Facebook is only changing active campaigns and ad sets to the new attribution window. Any old and paused campaigns and ad sets are... Uh, sticking with the old attribution window. And this is causing an issue for many people because at the uh, the campaign view, where they can see all the different campaigns, they can no longer see the conversion data there. Mm. Uh, Facebook is hiding it because there's all different attribution windows and Facebook says, therefore, it's not fair to compare, contrast and collect that information. It all needs to be the same attribution window. So one of the first things people should think about doing is going through and updating all their ad sets to have the same attribution window. Now, the only thing to bear in mind there is that if you update uh, a campaign or, or an ad set to have the new attribu- attribution window, Facebook will go back to historic data and change that with that new attribution window in mind. So if you want to hold on to the old data, uh, you should download it, first of all, so you, st- mm-hmm. so you still have it to refer to. Uh, the, the next thing people should think about doing is reviewing what conversion events are tracking. 
uh, Facebook will only allow eight conversion events per pixel going forward. So if you're tracking lots of different actions on your website, Facebook will pick out what it thinks is the eight most important. Now, Facebook could be wrong there. Just because it thinks those are the, are the eight most important conversion events doesn't mean that's what you think. So go and re review what conversion events you have. Uh, make sure you have no more than eight on there. Otherwise, Facebook may just pause one that's really important to you. It's really important that you verify your website domain as well. That Otherwise, that can cause issues with it in the future. Um, apart from that, all you can do is sort of review performance, bear in mind what's happening, and you may need to consider making some changes to strategy in the future, depending on exactly how this rolls out. As we discussed, uh, Facebook are trying to mitigate the issue as much as possible. So it's hard to predict at this point exactly how much of an impact it's going to have on performance. It's, uh, it's also worth just to add on to this. I think a lot of people look at Facebook in a very siloed way. Um, they don't link it up with their Google Analytics like people do with Google Ads. And that's purely because they don't make it easy. So Google Ads, you can tick the button and all the campaign data funnels nicely into your analytics. With Facebook, you have to pass through those UTM codes to get that working. Um, and I think especially where the attribution windows have changed quite a lot now, it is, it's more important than ever to do that so that you can see, especially for any sort of top of funnel marketing, they're not necessarily going to convert within seven days. They're going to want to get to know you. They might not. They might see that initial ad and then they might go away for a month and remember, hey, that, that product is something I want to buy and then come back and buy. In analytics, even if they came back to you direct, you'd have that conver conversion path funnel um, where you could see that, that historical data and that it started with that Facebook click. So make sure that you're doing that as well, I'd suggest. Yeah, that's really important. I also think, I mean, you raised a really good point with regards to this being an opportunity for people to review the conversion actions on their website. And eight seems reasonable for me. I mean, if you've got more than eight conversion actions, what are you what are you trying to track on your website? Uh, you know, it sounds convoluted to even have probably more than six, uh, I would say, on your website. I mean, at the end of the day, what, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get people in, in, in contact with you. You're trying to sell products, um, you know, and there might be some secondary and tertiary conversion actions as well. But really focus in on the stuff that is really important. So, it, I mean, if you if you've got multiple brochure download points, uh, you're selling a product, you've got a newsletter, um, e click to emails, all this kind of stuff. Maybe think about dumping some of the stuff that doesn't matter too much in the grand scheme of things. I mean, obviously, we, we like to see who's downloading our stuff, who's interacting with that kind of stuff. But if you're selling a product, that's that's really what you want to be tracking first and foremost so be selective about the conversion actions that you're tracking on your website especially right now yeah it's a good point michael it sounds scary i think um what i've seen on the internet is a lot of just ios 14 will kill your campaigns and everyone's like no um but it's not it's not it's just it's just a change we, we've dealt with these changes before um you know and it, it will result in your audiences shrinking a little bit. I think that's to be expected, but there are ways around it. Um, and we just need to adapt. We just need to take it on the chin like a world champion boxer, like Rocky. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, 
absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about um, the well, another another large change. This one's coming from Google, and it's uh, it's rest in peace, broad match modifier. Google is removing the match type from its uh, its array of match types, uh, kind of phasing, merging it in with phrase match. Um, Johnny, talk us through what's going on here. Yeah, so it's happened now. Broad match modified is is dead. It's gone. Uh, but it's also not gone. It's still there. It's simply been combined with with the phrase match keyword type instead to make a new type of phrase match that is in theory, better than the old phrase match or the old board match modified. So in theory, it's a good thing, I think, by and large. So in, in, in terms of how, how it works, um, I mean, I think the best example to use really is the one uh, Google has used, which is moving services New York City to Boston as a keyword. Um, we are in the UK, so I think I'm going to change that a little bit. So we're going to look at the keyword moving services London to Oxford because, you know, why live in London when you can live in Oxford instead? <laughs> so if we imagine we've got the keyword uh, as a phrase match and a broad match modified, again, moving services London to Oxford. If we have the search query, affordable moving services, London to Oxford, uh, that could be picked up by a phrase match keyword because it's a keyword with a word at the beginning, affordable at the beginning. So the new phrase match will pick that up as did the old phrase match. If you think of the the, uh, search query, London corporate moving services to Oxford, now broad match modified would have picked this up, the old phrase match would not. And the reason being there is that the the key, the words within the keyword are in different orders. They're all jumbled up. So phrase match wouldn't have picked that up, but broad match modified would have. Now, if you think of the search term, moving services, Oxford to London, the old broad match modified would have picked that one up as well, because it's the same keywords in a different order. The issue here, however, is that the intent is different. This is somebody moving from Oxford to London. They're moving the wrong way. So because of that, yes, our ads would have shown for that for that phrase, but we wouldn't have wanted it to. So that, that, that was a weakness of broad match modified. Now, what's going to happen with the new phrase match is that it will take into users' intent when it comes to the search query. So with that last example, where somebody's moving from Oxford to London, when they're moving the wrong way, uh, the new phrase match will ignore that. So it's working as a broad match modified, but it will ignore it because it knows the intent is wrong. But the, the second example I gave, which was London corporate moving service, services to Oxford, that the old phrase match would not have picked up, but the old broad match modified would have picked up, the new phrase match will have picked that up. So what this means is the new phrase match keyword type will pick up all the search queries that the old phrase match would have picked up, and it will pick up the majority of the ones that broad match modified would have picked up as well, but it will, it will pick up less crap. It will pick up less relevant search terms. So it will act like the old broad match modified, but better. So what Google has done here, they streamlined the number of keywords we're working with, which I think is a good thing. It makes it, it makes account management simpler, which means which frees us up to spend more time thinking about other parts of account management. But it also means that the keywords are going to work better than they did before. I threw a tantrum when they announced this. I was like, <laughs> All right, we're losing stuff. 
Why are you doing this, Google? Stop it. Um, I'm sure there are other people uh, who, who are not happy with it as well. I mean, I've always been a fan of board match modifier, especially when we're starting, you know, I mean, when we're kicking off a campaign, we're doing our research. We're, you know, we do a lot of research before we launch our campaigns. But sometimes when you want to gain some quick traction on your campaigns, board match modifiers, you know, uh, it's, it's also a good way to kind of identify some potential you know, keywords that you hadn't picked up in your research. But I think after you um, put together this article that's that's on our website, www.digitalgearbox.co.uk, um, after having a look at it, after having a conversation with you, it, it made me feel a little bit better about it because I think um, I, I do see now how it's going to be getting a you know getting rid and reducing some of those crap searches that we're never really going to do anything never affect bottom line it does you know from my old archaic kind of management style you know I, i like to split everything out um but we are trying to move away from that, you know, as, as PPCs, we're, we're trying to move towards consolidated campaigns and accounts. And I think that this is a good step. And, and I think that Google are trying to make things a little bit easier for us. And, and it's, it's now kind of, it's not so much the quantity, it's, it's more of a, a quality approach, which I think that the updated phrase match is going to help us with. Yeah. I mean, speaking as uh, from an account management point of view, I, I was considering maybe just not using phrase match anyway, because even the old broad match modified would pick up all those phrase match search queries regardless. So in terms of simplifying account management, it was it was a thing I was considering before Google even announced this change. So I guess part of the reason I feel so positive about it is it, it, it basically takes a strategy I was thinking about and then makes it work better than it would have done anyway. So for me, it's, it's entirely, entirely a positive in my mind. Becky, there are going to be some people that don't like this change. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you suggest to those people? Embrace it. Embrace it. <laughs> Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> no, um, I think. I mean, you can't. You can't fight this. So, I think step one is you've got to look at your keywords and review what match types you've got in there. Um, so, if you've got an account that's made up of phrase match and board match modified um you've got to start looking at pausing one of them because essentially they're the same thing google Mm -hmm. hasn't just switched them all off just to to clarify they haven't gone that keyword's gone um they're still all in there it's just that the board match modifiers are acting in the same way as the new phrase is that right johnny that's correct yes yeah um so especially if you've got new campaigns new accounts it's probably easier easier now than ever just to switch off all the board match modified and just carry on with the phrase that's replacing that but for anything where you've got um historic data it depends really how much you've segmented your account as well if you've got single keyword ad groups those those lovely lovely skags as as they're known um (laughs) it's going to be a bit more effort um because you might have negatives applied in one ad group and not the other and all that to sort out all that fun um so but yeah you've got to start reviewing and making some decisions um because it's essentially keyword duplication if you've got both of them running um also got to start paying closer attention to those search terms so if you're Mm. guilty of not going in your account on a weekly or at least monthly basis um boo um you've really got to go in and start having a look now we covered it on the podcast uh, a couple of 
well, quite a while ago now, um, that Google got rid of a load of that data. Thanks, Google. Um, <laughs> but you do need to pay close attention to it. They will tell you the biggest problems that you need to deal with. Um, so you want to make sure you're only showing for the most relevant searches. I guess this is particularly important where you might have not had any board match modified. You might have thought you've got a really tightly managed account with just exact and phrase. But obviously now that phrase is broader. So you're going to be wanting to keep keep a close eye on it and add any negatives um, for queries that aren't aren't relevant to what you do. This change hasn't just affected broad match, has it, Johnny? There's also been a change to exact match. That's correct, yes. And I mean, I, I, I think the, the change to exact match is quite interesting because it's actually a move in the opposite direction. So with, with a change to what some of the broad match modified is, we've lost a little bit of control. That's the way Google's generally moving. We're generally losing a little bit of control over things. But the change to exact match is Google's giving us more control, which is nice. I, I, always, I always like it when Google does that. Um, so what's happened here is Google has made keyword matching more predictable, which is good because the way it worked before was... Uh, it could be a bit of a headache. So when somebody searches, let's go back to our example of moving services London to, to Oxford. If somebody searches moving services London to Oxford, and if we had that keyword in different match types, so in this example, exact match and phrase match, uh, Google could match that exact query to the exact match keyword, but it could also match it to the phrase match keyword as well, which was frustrating because really we'd want it to match with the exact match keyword because then we then we can predict uh, more consistently how much we should be bidding for each individual keyword. In addition to that, if there are any slight variations on your keywords, so let's imagine we had a, an exact match keyword, uh, moving services, uh, London. That could also match to the exact phrase, moving services, London to Oxford, even though the keyword moving services, London to Oxford is in your account and really it should be matching to there. So that, that was always really annoying. Whereas now, Google will make sure that if you have the exact phrase as an exact match keyword in your account, that is the keyword that will match with the search term. So it makes it a lot easier to predict what search terms are going to appear for which keyword, in which ad group, and which campaign, which will make things generally simpler for us. We'll, we'll need fewer negative keywords to to funnel search terms into the correct ad groups and campaigns and it also means when we set our our bids for the various exact match keywords we can set it with greater confidence that 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 the, the that exact search term will only match to that keyword I was thrilled about this. I this was uh, like I got <laughs> distracted nerds. by I, I was <laughs> distracted by the headlines everywhere. Board match modifier gone. I think the bigger story is the change exact match being actually exact match because it does my head in when you set it up and it matches with other stuff. So I know it's an exact match. <laughs> it's quite interesting, really, that they didn't go with the headline exact match now means exact. <laughs> oh, by the way, RIP broad match. I instead, it was the other way around. I'm like, well, you made a mistake there, Google. Yeah. Give us the good news first, right? Yeah. I mean, it was frustrating. It's frustrating. And I'm, I'm glad that they've changed it. It was once upon a time, exact did mean exact. And they just loosened it up and loosened it up. And now, now they've tightened it up again. I don't know, Johnny. This is a question for you. Does it still allow singular plural variants? The the variants are still in there. So it can still match with other other terms. So if you have the 
the exact match, moving services, London to Oxford, it will still match with things like moving service, London, Oxfordshire. So that, that, that is still in there. That hasn't changed. What has changed is that the, the search term won't match to a, a, a different keyword. It won't match to a phrase match keyword or it won't match to an exact match keyword with slightly different wording in there. So it does make scans yeah. a little bit more viable than they have been recently. But I'm afraid you, you will still have some variance in there. So exact match is still quite still looser than it used to be. Uh, it's just easier to predict which keyword is go- you're going to be paying for for a particular search term. Yeah, which is only a good thing. Oh, it, 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 it is a massive uh, improvement over how things have been. Uh, is there anything else that we need to share with regards to these uh, keyword changes from Google? The only thing I want to do is reiterate what Becky said earlier, which is review your goddamn search terms. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it once every six months, for God's sake. Come on. I mean, I, I, I if you think about it, right, it's like tidying a room. If you tidy up one thing a day then it's always tidy and you don't have to do a lot of work. But if you let that crap pile up, it becomes a big task. If that crap has piled up and you would like us to come and have a look at it, go to our website, www.digitalgearbox.co.uk, get in touch with us and we can we can jump in and we can give you a hand. Let's move on to the third and final element part of this chat today, uh, RSAs, uh, so responsive search ads. So... These are now, Google is kind of pushing these this ad format to become the new default ad format in our accounts. Um, Johnny, let's talk through this. Uh, how is this going to affect us moving forward? Um, I mean, effectively, it won't. So, but, but, also, but, 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 but also it will. So, so let's talk about what's actually happened here. So you're right, Google is pushing people towards using responsive search ads rather than the old expand, expanded text ads that, that most advertisers have been using for quite a while now. Uh, and the way they're doing this is they've taken away, at first glance, the ability to set up uh, a text ad. Now, if you're going to Google Ads and go to create a new ad, it will only give you the option for a responsive search ad. And this has caused a lot of people to panic. So a lot of people do still like their old text ads. They don't all want to move to the responsive search ads. However, once you click to create a responsive search ad, there is a there is an option there, and little, little writing, little writing near the top, above where you'll be looking. There's a little writing there saying, <laughs> click here to create a text ad. So you can still create them. It's just hidden a little bit. And if you use Google Ads Editor, which is the, the offline editor for Google Ads to uh, set up and edit campaigns, ad groups, and, and ads offline before uploading it, which is what I what I tend to use, that hasn't changed at all. The option to create ex- expanded text ads is still there, and that one is unchanged. However, this is still notable because it is... Again, just yet another step Google has taken towards uh, further automation, towards taking that sort of minute control away from advertisers. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the future, don't know when, maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe further away, but I would not be surprised if Google took away the ability to set up new text ads entirely. Maybe they'll even pause the old text ads. That that would be more surprising, but but... I think it's important that we that we as advertisers begin to embrace these types of ads more and yep. more because if we don't, we will be left behind. I I think from our perspective, I think we've always been quite good at embracing the automation on the ad side. 
rather than the keyword side. Uh, and again, I might just be speaking primarily for myself personally. Um, responsive ads, when they were first launched, I think a lot of people were skeptical. I think a lot of people were looking at the combinations that they were seeing in preview and going, hmm, mm, that doesn't look very good. But in situ, I, I think the... I mean, I'm I'm seeing in 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 some of the campaigns, I'm seeing some some decent performance where we're running with responsive, uh, you know, compared to the more traditional text and expanded text. I think it's all about it's it's, it's giving people that tailored experience, and obviously that's that's what Google's plumping for with with almost every change that they're doing. You know, how can we give the end user the best possible experience, and if that comes at making the, the advertiser's life a little bit more tricky, then so be it. Um, but I think for the most part, from, from our perspective anyway, I think we've dealt quite well with the um, the addition of responsive search ads. There are still, I mean, when I audit an account, I still see that a lot of people uh, are not taking advantage of this format. Do we have any tips and advice that we can share on how people can kind of burst through this wall? Yeah, I've got a few tips here for you. Uh, the first one is really what, what campaigns do they work best? And that comes down to campaigns that are getting lots of impressions because lots of impressions means more data for Google's machine learning to figure out which combinations of assets works most effectively. Um, but outside of that, when you're actually sitting down and, and creating your responsive search ads, there are a few different things you should think about. So the first one is when you're entering your assets, that is your, your, your headlines and your descriptions, make sure you add lots of variety in there. Some people can be guilty of just putting in just a slight variation of the same thing over and over again. And that's no good because it doesn't give Google different messaging to experiment with, to test with, and to figure out what works best. If you don't try different things, you can't work out what works best. You should bear in mind that when you're writing your, your assets, your headlines and your descriptions, that they can be shown in, in any order. So obviously headlines will be shown before the descriptions, but you can show up to uh, three headlines and those three headlines could appear in any order. So you need to think about, do these make sense regardless of the order they're being shown in? Now you have got the option of pinning a headline or description in a particular position if you, if you need to. So if you've got, a particular headline that must appear in position one or position two, either because you need it for the ad to make sense, or perhaps because you're in a in a heavily regulated industry and you need that messaging to appear in there. In finance, for example, uh, you can use pinning if you need to, but as much as possible, try to avoid it because when you pin headlines and descriptions, it takes the away the ability for the machine learning to really figure out what combination works best in what order. And my, my final tip for, for responsive search ads is to review them. So Google will tell you which assets are working well and which assets are not working well. So review them every, every on a regular basis, every month, every couple of months. Look at what's working well. Look at what's not working well. Where, thing, where assets are not working well, replace them with something new. Let Google try out new messaging there to try and figure out, again, can it make these ads work even better? Some healthy recommendations and advice there johnny thank you um becky i mean you yes. you've been doing this longer than uh, both johnny and i put together um yeah. we, we've seen a lot of changes to to ads over the years um this can only be a good good thing right 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm conflict. I'm very conflicted. I do. Em- I always embrace the change because, like I say, you can't fight it. It's better to go with it and find a way to make it work than to moan moan about it because you can't change it. Um, I think for me, I have some hang-ups about it just from some of the the ad text automation in the past so Mm. back in the days even before expanded text ads when it was just text ads um and you'd have your free ad variants because that's best practice google say have your free ad variants and you'd ask google to automate to optimize to show the best performing sometimes you go in and it was showing the one that was had the lowest conversion rates and click through rates, and you'd be like, "Why? Why is it doing this?" So I've got some um, I've got some trust issues with with the automation of of ads, but um, I think as long as the, the positive of it all, just to spin back, is that it is making people doing do some testing. Um, yeah, because there's nothing worse than going in an account and seeing one ad and no testing going on. So I can understand why they're moving towards this way to get people testing different messages because people have their their preconceptions that this message is the one that works and quite often it's something completely different. So more variety, um, as Johnny said, will help Google figure out in theory what will work best for you. Um, I I do just miss having more of a control on that. Um, and I guess actually a question for Johnny. I don't know if he knows the answer to this because I don't know the answer. Okay. Are they still pushing having the expanded text ad variants alongside? Because it was the, the latest best practice I saw was one responsive uh, ad and two expanded text ads. Are they still saying that from your knowledge or is it just go with the responsive? So the last I saw from Google was what you said, two expanded text ads, one responsive search ad. I would expect that to have changed. I haven't double checked, but given that they that given how they're hiding the ability to ability to set up an expanded text ad, I would expect that Google's advice now is just to use responsive search ads. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to kind of wrap this up, I do, as the caveman in this conversation, I do have a potential workaround for anybody that would like to apply a greater deal of control to their responsive ads. Basically, a way to make them not responsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to be a feature in the, you know, in the responsive ad format. You know, it, it seems like something that Google might want to remove um, is that there's long been the ability to pin uh, material in place mm-hmm. and um, so what you could do is you could create your free headlines your two descriptions or whatever and you can pin those in place to basically say I want this to always be pinned for headline one I want this to be pinned in place for headline two free description one two so on and so forth so you can use a responsive ad and you can dictate that you would like to pin the the, the components in place, thus essentially rendering it not responsive. So there is a workaround. Um, it might be that you, you're very particular about the ad copy that you want to use. And in, in if that's the case, and if they do do away with expanded text ads and just the basic text ads, that could potentially be the workaround. But as we know, Google changes things all the time, and that might be an option that is taken away from us eventually. I think they'll have to have it have an option to do it i know johnny's probably going to say that they'll they'll 
force us to get rid of it. But I think there are certain industries where it's very important that the text is signed off by legal professionals and all, all that stuff where, I mean, we've got a client where we don't, we don't get to, to choose what the ad text is like. They have to get it signed off by lawyers because mm. it's um, medical and sensitive. So surely in those scenarios, they need a solution for people to put the, the text in a way that it needs to be conveyed. Yeah, I, I imagine Google will find some way to reduce control there. Uh, it might be a case that say, you can pin one or two elements, or maybe you can't pin without special permission from Google. I don't know. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what, what happens, what comes down the line. But for the time being, we can still use expanded text ads. That, they, 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 they are still an option for us, so we don't need to worry about it too much yet. Love it. There we go. So we've got the free changes here we've got ios 14 we've got keyword changes rip board match modifier we will miss you and uh and rsa is becoming more and more prominent before we go um johnny becky do we have any kind of summary tips for anybody that's listening to this section going uh there's so much information how do we condense that down into an actionable tip for all three it just shows how much things change within your accounts um Yes, there's been a lot of change in one month, but it highlights that you do need to be going in and looking at what is changing. And it always comes down to making sure that you're looking at the performance metrics. You're looking at the search terms. You aren't just setting things up, press and go and leaving it to it. You do need to go and check the performance and make these tweaks. So with all of these, that is the most important thing that you're monitoring performance and making adjustments from my perspective, Johnny? So my, my number one tip for this and for everything, always and forever for Google, is just review review your search terms. Review your search terms and add in negative keywords. Uh, I know that won't help with Facebook, but for Google, review your search terms and in your negative keywords. Do that and you'll, you'll, you'll be in a far better position than many other Google advertisers out there. So please, just, just, just do it. Just, do it. <laughs> just bloody do it. Search terms, review them. Yeah, it's it's get the basics right. I think a lot of people get caught up in the, oh, I want to look at my demographics. Oh, let's look at device bid adjustments. No, I mean, yes, look at those eventually, but get the basics right. Look at the search terms. Look at the, look at the terms that are triggering your ads. And if you see a negative, and they'll be quite obvious, add them in. Well done. Uh, guys, I, I don't know about you, but I'm stuffed. I'm absolutely stuffed. What a buffet of knowledge. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first, but first of hopefully very many uh, podcast appearances. We're going to have to do this again because the world is always changing. Um, so we'll be back um, with more nuggets of PPC knowledge very, very soon. But in the meantime, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the PPC Burrito. If you haven't already, consider following us on LinkedIn and also on Twitter and Instagram at Digital Gearbox. If you want to use PPC platforms like Google Ads to unlock more traffic, more leads and more sales, feel free to get in touch either by dropping us a message on social media or by going to our website www.digitalgearbox.co.uk. So from me, Michael. And me, Becky. And me, Johnny. Stay safe. Stay happy, and until next time, amigos, keep on optimizing. Mm-hmm.